It's Saturday morning. Time for some jazz. Okay, so it's actually Sunday morning now. I did start to record this on Saturday, but unfortunately, technical glitches got in the way. And I liked the flow that I had going, so I thought, I'll just put this little voiceover in as a narrative tone to let you know. No, I didn't mix up the days. I haven't completely lost my mind. I'm still of sound mind and body. Well, for now anyway. Back to the show. Five songs, five stories, five artists in the continuing series, Songs and Stories. Who knew it would ever go this long, and yet, here I am and here we are. So five artists for you today, as as always, as I do every week, and I thought I'd do this a day early because it is a long weekend here in uh, Canada. I don't know if it is in other parts of the world where you may be listening. I suppose I could pull up a calendar and look around the world, but kind of busy doing the whole recording thing at the moment. So I hope you're not offended by that. Start things off today with the uh, Dave Holland Trio featuring uh, Kenny Barron. This is from the album, Without Deception. This is the title track, Without Deception. This was recorded in uh, August of 2019. The album was released last March. March 6th, to be precise. March 6th of 2020. Just as the pandemic was starting to become a global thing. So, without any further ado, this is the Dave Holland Trio featuring Kenny Barron with their studio effort, Without Deception.
Oh yeah, without deception. Kenny Barron, along with the Dave Holland Trio. Pretty spectacular uh, selection of music, if you ask me. I know that you haven't, but there you go. <laughs> now that particular album, in a rare turn of events, they actually included two additional tracks on the vinyl version only. The compact disc version, or the stream version. Short two tracks. Of course, that song was written by, uh, the composition, I should say, written by Kenny Barron, the uh, gentleman who has been uh, a master of the keyboard since the early 1960s. At the age of 78, he shows no signs of slowing down as he has been uh, teaching piano and keyboard harmony at Rutgers University in New Jersey. And now, I should say, he's teaching at Juilliard. So the man is... uh, Incredibly talented, patient, and diligent. His first recording started in uh, 1967 with uh, the Jimmy Owens Trio, and he's uh, been featured on hundreds of records as both a band leader and a sideman. In this particular album, he is a combination of the two, as he has written most of the compositions on the record. Great Kenny Barron. Probably, unquestionably, one of the most influential mainstream jazz pianists since the bebop era. Of course, Dave Holland, transplanted from uh, New York City, or transplanted to New York City, I should say, as he is originally from the UK, but he's lived in uh, the United States for over 40 years. He's been playing for 50. At the age of 74, he too shows no sign whatsoever of slowing down expect uh, these two gentlemen to continue making music for a long time to come. Okay, going to change it up just a little bit, but going to stick with another brilliant pianist. This composition is by the uh, great Keith Jarrett, featuring um, Charlie Hayden. This is Where Can I Go Without You.
Keith Jarrett, Charlie Hayden, Where Can I Go Without You, recorded in 2007 and released in 2010 from the album Jasmine. Now about the record, uh, it was three years from the time that they recorded it till it was released of course, but in the liner notes to the album Keith Jarrett wrote this, this recording was done in my small studio. It is a very dry sound, and we didn't want to have the recording sound like anything but exactly what we were hearing while we played, so it is direct and straightforward. We did not rehearse, per se, but whenever chords were necessary. We had not played in over 30 years, but something magical happened, and then I invited Charlie and his wife to stay at the house to do some playing for a few days with no assurance that we'd have anything, including sound, that we'd want to release. Jasmine is a night-blooming flower with a beautiful fragrance, and I hope you can hear what went into this, as there is no way to do anything as touching as this by rehearsing it until it dies. This spontaneous music made on the spot, without any preparation, save our dedication throughout our lives, that we won't accept a substitute. It's either the real thing, or it's nothing. It's either real life, or it's a cartoon. These are great love songs played by players who are trying, mostly, to keep the message intact. I hope you can hear it the way we did. Well, I certainly could. And of course, you can always hear uh, Keith Jarrett sort of vocalizing throughout each recording. He was quite famous for that as he did it um, whenever he was doing an individual performance, either live or in studio. He always sort of vocalized the piano chords, much like Glenn Gould, who was famous for that. If you have ever heard the classical recording of the um, uh, Bach, the um, Goldberg Variations by Glenn Gould, you can hear him vocalizing the chords throughout. Just sort of a unique uh, trademark, if you will, of a brilliant pianist. Now, Keith Jarrett, of course, has also uh, played a lot of classical music throughout his career. Long and storied career, which has mostly come to an end as uh, he had a stroke in uh, February of to- March of 2018 and then a second stroke in May of 2018 which left him paralyzed on his left side. He's able to play a little bit with his right hand but he says right now he just he doesn't know what he is anymore because he can't play the piano. He doesn't know who he is anymore. So I'm sure he's probably struggling with some pretty serious mental health issues, when your livelihood that you've been an absolute master of for over 52 years is suddenly taken away from you, I'm sure that's difficult to deal with. Charlie Hayden, of course, was um, a brilliant uh, jazz double bass player, band leader, composer, educator. His career spanned more than 50 years. He passed away in 2014, and it was, uh, well... 76 years of age at the time, which, I mean, that's not super old, not super young, but he did have a very long and storied career. He started in 57 and played up until 2014, just before he died. He was in poor health at the time, sadly. But he, um, he's been known as uh, an absolutely uh, revolutionary uh, bass player in jazz because he was 
He revolutionized the um, harmonic concept of bass playing in jazz. German musicologist uh, Joachim Ernst Berndt wrote this. Hayden's ability to create serendipitous harmonies by improvising melodic responses to Coleman's freeform solos, speaking of an ornette Coleman, of course, rather than sticking to predetermined harmonies, was both radical and mesmerizing. His virtuosity lies in an incredible ability to make the double bass sound out. Hayden cultivated the instrument's gravity as no one else in jazz. He's a master of simplicity, which is one of the most difficult things to achieve. Of course, he was uh, one of the original members of the groundbreaking Ornette Coleman Trio, or Quartet, sorry, <laughs> Ornette Coleman Quartet, my goodness gracious. Three, four, there's a big difference there. And he was, you know, Ornette Coleman being one of the founders of the free jazz genre, derived uh, in, in uh, from his 1960 album, Free Jazz, a collective uh, improvisation, of which uh, Charlie Hayden was a member. Sadly, like I said, Charlie Hayden died at the age of, uh, what did I say, 74, 76, 76, my goodness. 2014, died at 76. I get numbers mixed up. It's the mild dyslexia that I have. It sometimes comes through in my uh, speaking style as well as my reading style, of course. He had been suffering the uh, um, uh, effects from uh, post-polio syndrome, which is a, a, a group of uh, symptoms... Um, that occur at a 25 to 40% rate. They're caused by the damaging effects of the uh, viral infection on the nervous system. Sometimes they you know, typically occur 15 to 30 years after an uh, um, initial uh, paralytic attack. Of course, you know, this was pre-vaccine for polio. So, you should get vaccinated. That's what I'm trying to say. Okay. I'll stop talking and get back to the music because you didn't come here to listen to me. You came here to listen to the jazz. Oh, and of course, you I assume you would want to hear the stories about each jazz artist in the song. You don't need my poetic waxing. So, to that end, let's go along with this. This is a recording from the great Stan Getz. And this track is titled A Nightingale in Berkeley Square. <laughs> Thank you. 
Oh, yeah. Stan Getz and Bob Brockmeyer. Brookmeyer, sorry. Brookmeyer, not Brockmeyer. Brookmeyer. From the album titled, recorded fall 1961. It was uh, recorded September 12th and 13th, 1961, at the Nola Recording Studio in New York City. Released, of course, in 1961. And that particular composition, a Nightingale sang in Berkeley Square, which I omitted to sang when I announced the title. Ah, oh, yes, dyslexia. Playing with my head this morning. I think I need another cup of coffee. But it looks like I'm out, so I'll have to make an entire new fresh pot. Well... That's okay. It is a Sunday morning, after all. Even though I started this on a Saturday. <laughs> a Nightingale Sang in Berkeley Square, which was uh, written in 1939 uh, by Eric Mankiewicz, um, who wrote the lyrics, and the music was written by Manning Sherwin. Berkeley Square is a, um, uh, a square in, in Mayfair, uh, part of London close to the uh, Ritz Hotel. Uh, the, the Nightingale, which is a, a migrant songbird, is uh, celebrated in literature throughout the de- decades as, uh, for the beauty of its song, but uh, as it turns out, it, it, it fails rural. Fail, fails? Favors. <laughs> wow. I need a coffee. It favors rural habitats and is uh, most likely pretty rarely to be unheard of in, uh, in central London. But nevertheless, it makes for an interesting song title. Of course, Stan Getz, great sax player who uh, passed away at the age of uh, 64 in 1991. It was uh, basically the individual who brought um, Bossa Nova into the zeitgeist uh, north in the Northern Hemisphere, that is, as bossa nova jazz was quite popular in the Southern Hemisphere throughout South America, Argentina, Uruguay, Paraguay, Chile, mostly Argentina, mind you, but largely in in, in Brazil as well. So he um, was largely influenced influenced by Juan Gilberto and Antonio Carlos Hopim, and uh, as I said, he, he largely popularized bossa nova jazz in, in uh, the northern hemisphere with uh, the single from 1964, The Girl from Ipanema, which you've definitely heard at some point in your life. I mean, my goodness gracious. It's an incredibly famous uh, song that I'm sure you've probably heard in an elevator or a shopping center somewhere or in a film soundtrack. Bob Brookmeyer was um, a very famous American jazz valve trombonist, pianist, arranger, and composer. He gained uh, public attention as a member of Jerry Mulligan's quartet from 1954 to 1957. He uh, had eight Grammy Award nominations throughout his lifetime. I don't know if he had any wins, though. He passed away in uh, 2011 at the age of 81, after a long and storied career, originally from Kansas City, Missouri. Only child. Great player. Absolute great player. And and kind of brought uh, the valve trombone to to prominence, as the most uh, famous trombone, of course, is the slide trombone, but he was a valve player, so kind of brought it into the zeitgeist, the spotlight, just 
paid it, you know, made people pay attention to it for a change. Now, you do have to remember that for the longest time, uh, the slide trombone was only associated with Dixieland jazz. Of course, that all changed. We've never looked back. Okay, I'm, I'm beginning to babble because I, uh, I desperately need a, a second cup of coffee. So I'm going to, um, I'm going to make a fresh pot, and I'll be back before you know it. You won't even know I'm gone. And I'm back. See, you didn't miss me. You didn't even know I was gone. I'm just brewing the coffee. I had to grind the beans first, you know. So I'll have a fresh pot in, I don't know, five, seven minutes, whatever the case may be. So I'll step away and pour myself a fresh hot mug. And that'll get that day just kick-started the way I like. Unfortunately, I'm out of bagels today, so I will have to make a run to Kettleman's later on. It's a rainy day here in the nation's capital of Ottawa, Canada. Only about 17 degrees, so kind of a chilly uh, August day, as it is the 1st of August. Celebrating uh, Penny Alexiak's uh, 7th medal in the pool. as the most storied Olympian in Canadian history. And she's only 21. Our Canadian women's swim team is kicking serious butt as our Canadian women always do. And I shouldn't say our Canadian women. I don't mean to be possessive. I don't own anyone. But our in the sense that we are all part of the same great nation of Canada. Well, at least I am, and so are they. I know that I have listeners throughout the world, so... Hey, I'll give you honorary Canadian citizenship. How's that sound? You can celebrate with us. We're the second largest nation on Earth for geography landmass, but a small population of only, well, just around 39 million. We'll hit the 40 million mark soon enough. That'll be a nice milestone, wouldn't it? 40's a nice round number, don't you think? I certainly do. So, let's get back to the music. I, uh, I featured this young woman a few times in the past, and, um, this, this particular composition... Uh, was her recording released in 2015 when she was merely 19 years of age. This was her debut album titled The Richard Rogers Songbook, which was self-published. She ended up uh, landing a recording contract with Mac Avenue Records after this record was released, and as a result has become an incredibly well-revered, admired, and respected jazz pianist at the tender age of 24, 25 actually, she turned 25 in February of this year. I'm talking about, of course, Los Angeles native Connie Hahn. This is from the Richards Rogers songbook. Let's see if I can spit that out without tripping over my tongue too much. This is the mashup. It never entered my mind, and spring is here. The wonderful Connie Hahn. Thank you. 
yeah. The magnificent Connie Hahn. Los Angeles native. Jazz pianist extraordinaire. She's an artist you should keep your eye on because she'll be producing music for a long, long time. She has a total of three albums. Of course, that being from her first. Um, Connie Hahn interprets the Richard Rogers songbook in 2015. Crime Zone, released in 2018, and her most recent release, Iron Starlet, in 2020. Now, I do understand that she's got some more music coming out soon. I just don't have a final release date. Let me just take a look at this. I'm going to pause. I'll be right back. Uh, Sadly, I currently do not have any information on her upcoming release, but uh, fingers crossed we'll be hearing something from her very soon, in the very near future. Just a brilliant player. Steinway featured Steinway artist and Mac Avenue recording artist, been described as a decisively brazen talent with an exhilarating control of her skills and vision. That seems to be about correct, I would say. Again, she was 19 when that composition was recorded. Her new album, of course, she was 24 when it was released, and as at the tender age of 25, I say the tender age of 25 because... I'm more than twice her age, my goodness. She's just just a force to be reckoned with. She truly, truly is. And I see nothing but good things for her in the uh, long term. As she is both a brilliant composer and player. She's been described as elder statesman as uh, a rejuvenating force in the great legacy of jazz piano. I can't argue with that. And uh, she's been influenced by a, a, a pantheon of brilliant players. Chick Corea, Kenny Kirkland, McCoy Tyner, Hank Jones, and Errol Garner. Just to name a few. Now, she's also trained in classical music, but it's what it was jazz that she absolutely fell in love with. And I think that shines through in her performance. It's not always about the notes, but so much what is in between them. The silence that speaks volumes. Yes, I'm a very big fan of the Miss Connie Hahn, and I hope to hear more from her in the near future. She is a force to be reckoned with, as I said. Okay. Now, this next uh, composition is by my favorite jazz artist, um, the late, great Oscar Peterson, formerly of Montreal. He was born and raised in Montreal. Uh, An absolute jazz giant, the man with four hands, as he was well-known throughout his career. He was the Maharaja of the keyboard, as described by Duke Ellington. And he was often referred to simply as O.P. by his friends. An absolute virtuoso. Oscar Emmanuel Peterson. If you're uh, paying attention, you'll notice that the cover of today's... uh, podcast is a photograph of myself. I just took this the other day, sitting beside Oscar. Because, well, you know, it's my favorite statue in all of Ottawa. You can sit on the bench and just listen to his music because it plays 24 hours a day, seven days a week, all year long. Sun, rain, shine, freezing rain, ice storm, minus 30, plus 35. Oscar's music plays through and through, all the time. I think that's wonderful. So from the man with four hands, 
This is from his um, album Night Train, recorded um, in December of 1962 and released in 1963. This is uh, his interpretation of um, the Duke Ellington great. I got it bad, and that ain't good. Please enjoy the late great Oscar Peterson. Thank you. 
Oscar Peterson Trio from the landmark album Night Train, recorded December 15th and 16th of 1962 in Los Angeles, California, was released in 1963. Double album on the Verve label. 67 minutes and 40 seconds of brilliance. Total of... uh, 11 songs, 11 sides, actually, on the on the double album. And the CD bonus tracks, there was an ad- additional uh, five tracks. No, sorry, my apologies, six. An additional six tracks on the compact disc version. Uh, tracks 12 and, uh, through 17. Only included uh, on the CD. Never, They were never on the original vinyl. Now, you can uh, purchase the uh, vinyl version... If you, uh, if you so desire, if you have the means to reproduce vinyl sounds, I would recommend that you do so. The album was dedicated um, to his father, as uh, Oscar Peterson's father worked as a sleeping car attendant for uh, Canadian Pacific Railways. He was a porter. It's a famous part of Canadian history that many of us have only recently learned about, that um, virtually all porters during that time period from the 30s up until I think the mid-60s were black men. Not 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 a part of our history that's often taught, and it, it certainly should be. They helped build this country, and they're not getting their, uh, their dues. So this album uh, was the one that... Uh, basically uh, created the ambition within Diana Krall to become a jazz pianist. She said, listen to this record made me want to do this and nothing else. The late, great Oscar Peterson, my favorite player. Okay, so we've come to the end of today's show. took me two days to record it. I think all the technical glitches have been ironed out, so hopefully you have a, a wonderful Sunday ahead of you. I plan on doing some additional recording today to get some projects tied up. Until we meet again, my friends, wherever you are in this world, I hope you have a wonderful day. Take care. I'll talk to you soon. Bye.